welcome to the Para-Unity Podcast. Tonight, we have with us Wes Coleman from Correctional Officers Paranormal Society, or COPS, based out of Belleville, Ontario, Canada. But before we bring Wes on, let's talk a little bit about Belleville. Belleville is a city located at the mouth of the Mora River in the base of Quinte in southern Ontario. It is the seat of Hastings County, but is politically independent of it. With a population of 92,540, this town was settled in 1789. Belleville was named in 1816 and became a police village in 1836. And finally, in 1878, almost 100 years after being settled, Belleville became officially a town. Belleville became an important railway junction which helped boom the trade of the lumber and farming industries. Belleville grew dramatically, and with the building of the Iron Bridge over the Moore River, it was the first bridge of Hastings County. Telephones were in place in 1883, and electricity soon followed in 1885. Belleville was also the home to the first school of the deaf in Ontario, which was built in 1870. Haunted locations in Belleville are not hard to come by. The first is the Glanmore National Historic Site. It was built in 1883. This house, now museum, has had its fair share. A former owner saw an apparition of a man in a red and white hat, a piano playing by itself, and saw a door open on its own. She believed that her grandmother was the one haunting the house, so she had it exercised in 1965, and most of the hauntings stopped. But not all of them. People still to this day report doors opening by themselves and many other minor oddities. Next is the Pinnacle Playhouse, formerly known as D.L. Story Center. This theater, known to be haunted by a ghost nicknamed Ophelia after Hamlet's love interest in the Shakespearean play, There are many ways Ophelia makes herself known. A lady in a black appears in the control booth. Figures sit in the auditorium seats. Green eyes even appear in the air vents. Voices are heard backstage. The lights do strange things. And a man's laugh is heard in the women's restroom, assisting the reports of a former janitor's ghost will stop by on occasion. Now, help me welcome to the Para-Unity Podcast, Wes Coleman, for a first-hand look at some great haunted locations and some insight into the science of paranormal investigations used in Belleville, Ontario. Wes, how are you doing tonight? Very good. Yourself? I'm doing great. I appreciate you taking the time to be on the show. Yeah, no problem at all. I'm glad I could be. Yeah, and one thing before we do get started, um, especially with you guys being the team that you are, um, I want to thank you guys for your service. I don't think police officers, correctional officers, you know, firefighters, EMTs, I don't think they get enough credit. So I do want to tell you thank you. That's very nice. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Hey, Wes, what got you interested in the paranormal? Um, It's something I've been interested ever since I was a little kid. Uh, You know, I, I don't have any of these magnificent stories of some people who say that, you know, they encountered a ghost from a very young age. Um, but it's something that I've read a lot about and I was always fascinated about. Um, I've had a few experiences before I started the team, which are, you know, minor experiences, personal experiences, which, you know, I still to this day, I'm not sure if it's something that is explainable or something that isn't explainable. But all those uh, sort of things kind of got me into thinking, you know, you know, what is this, you know, paranormal and and and. You know, let's try to get down to the basics of it and, and try to prove it somehow physically. Um, um, and and so, yeah, so then I, I started a team and 
in around 2010 to uh, to go a lot more in depth with it. Okay, great. And how how long did you say you've been investigating? Um, as a team, we've been investigating since uh, 2010. Um, <clears throat> myself, excuse me, myself, I've been uh, um, I've done dabbling with other groups before that, um, but uh, but as a serious investigator, 2010. Okay, sure. Um, now I, I am curious to know, especially since I know everybody on your team is correctional officers, and, and we'll talk about them here in a second. Have you guys had anything in the jails that you've worked at? Um, well, I've been very well fortunate or unfortunate depends how you look at it. But I've I've always worked at modern jails. Although uh, two of the guys uh, that are on my team worked at uh, a place called Kingston Penitentiary, which is uh, it's now been decommissioned. It was decommissioned in 2014, but it was Canada's oldest prison. Um, its first inmates arriving in 1835. And uh, the place is is very gothic in nature, um, very old, as as you can imagine. And uh, even up until the day it closed, it still had a lot of its old features still intact. Um, and uh, uh, the two guys that worked there had different experiences in there um, uh, with, with things going on and uh, also other officers, which we've interviewed before as well, who have had uh, interesting experiences in there. Um, but myself, I've, I haven't worked in a prison that old and, uh, I haven't had any experiences at, at my work or anything like that. Um, however, some of the prisons I've been to that are decommissioned in the States, uh, definitely had some interesting run-ins down there. Oh, I can only imagine. I know a lot of them that are, especially in your guys's area there that you've been to are very active in the States. Yeah, one that's just around the corner from you, Ohio State Reformatory, was was an interesting one, and, and also Moundsville, West Virginia. <clears throat> so now, I haven't heard a whole lot about Moundsville. Um, what kind of stuff did you guys get there? Um, we had um, uh, we had a couple of different things happen. We we had EVPs. Uh, um, like negative negative EVPs not wanting us there. Um, we had uh, whistling. Uh, I was down in this one specific area, and and the uh, the nickname of it was the Sugar Shack. So you can just imagine what happened down there. Um, but it was actually underneath um, the recreational part of the institution, and uh, there was a lot of killings that actually happened down there. It's it's very uh, it's like a basement. It's got uh, you know, solid concrete floors. Um, but we were down there and there's a couple of chairs that they provide, you know, people that do investigations with down there. And it's, it's in the middle of this room that's probably 150 square feet and it's wide open. And, uh, we went down there and sat, uh, two of us sat in the chairs and, uh, we, we whistled. And now whistling is something in a prison you don't, you don't do like it's it's one of those code things that if you whistle in a prison, uh, you're subject to especially if you're an inmate, um, you're subject to uh, to violence um, because they uh, they perceive it as being that you're happy and obviously you shouldn't be happy in jail. So um, so whistling is, you know, is, is a form of uh, 
try when you're when you're doing paranormal stuff in a prison it 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 tries to get the 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 things going in there um so so I whistled and uh I got a whistle back and but it was not like right away it was about 3 or 4 seconds after and it was a complete it was a different tone to the whistle than what I did so I we knew it wasn't an echo um and we have that we've we we taped that um so that was kind of a really interesting thing down there. Um, you always, of course, you always get the, you, you always have that psychological thing going on because I mean, you're in a place like that and, uh, you know, there's four or 5,000 inmates that used to be housed there and, uh, quite a few murders over the years. Actually, as, as I remember, I think it was the, uh, the most murders ever, um, at an institution over the years across the states. And, uh, so you can just feel the heaviness and, uh, um, but, but yeah, like we had a few EVPs, um, I didn't see any shadows, although that, that is something that people do see there a lot. Um, but it was, it was a great night. Yeah, it sounds like it. I know, especially with those, um, like you were talking about a little bit with the prisons, you know, you have all those prisoners housed there, but also you got to take into account just the mindset that people will be in when they visit these. Cause you know, a lot of these, they still have the bars, they still have the cells. And so you just get that mindset of just that trapped feeling when you're inside investigating those places. Well, exactly. And that's one thing you have to be really careful with when you're investigating is, uh, you know, that, uh, that preconceived notion that, you know, something bad is going to happen or, you know, you're charging yourself up for a very active kind of night. Um, or you're just, you know, I mean, the average person goes in there and they're in the black dark and they're sitting in what they call the hole or the segregation unit of an institution. And you're sitting in a cell where a guy has committed countless murders and he spent most of his life in there. And when you're in there and it's all dark and it's three in the morning, I mean, your mind plays some pretty heavy tricks on you. And, and, and you really have to, you know, separate that from the actual physical stuff that's actually going on and not something that's, you know, being created by your mind. Yep, absolutely. So we talked about our prisons here. Um, tell me a little bit about your team. You know, let's hear about the guys. Well, um, I have. Uh, there's three great guys other than myself on the team. I mean, I'm all right, but, um, the, uh, we have guys with different expertise. Um, uh, we have Darren and Darren is our tech guy. He specializes in all the equipment and, uh, is really good inside and out with all the sort of, uh, stuff that needs to be done regarding the equipment where I'm just terrible with that. So he's, he's awesome with that. So he's, he's a great guy. And then we have Chris and Chris is, um, he's our researcher and, uh, kind of like a bookworm. He really likes his books and he loves going in, you know, when we have a certain investigation to do beforehand, he loves doing the research and letting us know all the guys before we actually go in there, what it's all about and the history and the history of any kind of paranormal activity, that sort of thing as well. And then Terry is, uh, you know, he's he him and I work kind of close together. Um, Terry is our um, um, big into the PR. He's really good in front of the camera. Um, he's really good with uh, talking and and doing live recordings like this. And uh, um, 
yeah, he's he's amazing. Where I'm just kind of I'm the guy that kind of brings everything together. Um, I mean, I don't mind doing the talking and I don't mind, uh, you know, going on TV and that, but he's, he's really good that way. Like he's, uh, that's his, that's definitely his, his thing. So, so yeah, that brands out our team. Yeah. And I, I give you guys credit because, you know, we were talking a little bit of before the show, uh, having a team of all correctional officers or police officers or anything like that, it's hard because of just the personalities that they have to try and get them to be, okay, yeah, this isn't just a physical thing right in front of me that I know, that I see, that I interact with. This is something that I got to kind of take that leap of faith on. And most of them, most of the types of people in this in that profession, you know, they, they, they don't have the mindset for it. Right. Well, I, I, you know, yes and no. Um, a lot of people in my, uh, in, in law enforcement, I think have a very practical mind, um, and a very, like, you know, I've been doing this for, you know, however many years now. And, uh, you know, I still, like, I'm still a huge skeptic. And, uh, I, I'm very, I'm very much about the physical evidence, um, in investigations. Um, even though we all have our personal experiences. But personal experiences can't be, uh, proved, proven, right? So, um, it's, uh, it's a real difficult thing. So, uh, but, but we focus on that, that, uh, the practical side of things. And, uh, so, uh, law enforcement people are like that. They're very, you know, they want to see the evidence. They, they want to see, you know, they need to see the proof. Um, so that's why the guys that are on my team are like that. They're very, they're very much into that, um, that kind of rationale behind the paranormal. So we, we try to do our best, uh, the best that we can with, with, uh, with trying to prove the physical part of things. Um, and not so much. I mean, we do have a, uh, a psychic medium who works for us from time to time on private investigations. Um, who's phenomenal. Like, I mean, she is, you know, it's really kind of, you know, uh, changed our minds a lot from when we first started because she is, she has done some things and found out some things that, uh, that have been cross referenced with other things that wouldn't be on Google or anything like that, that, uh, has really kind of opened our eyes a bit. Um, so, so that's, that's interesting in itself. Um, but mainly like, you know, I would say about 85% to 95, 90% were, were really focused on the, the physical part. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm pretty close to the same way. I mean, there's some things that I will kind of go along with. You know, it may not be a physical thing, but it's you can definitely tell. Okay, yeah, maybe maybe this is something. That being said, we do keep a very open mind, and uh, even though we're very rigid as far as the physical stuff goes, I mean, we do keep the open mind with the with the spiritual and uh, yeah, that sort of thing. You know, just you know, because. You know, who knows? Uh, I mean, we're always learning. And I think to close your mind off, especially in a field that's really unproven, uh, to, to close your mind off to things uh, is just, I don't think, an appropriate way to, uh, you know, to tackle it. You know, you, you really have to keep an open mind. You're constantly learning. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's very important. Yep. Well said. Absolutely correct. You guys, you're located up in Ontario. Why don't you tell me a little bit about that Belleville area? Is there any good haunted places up there that people should check out? 
Um, well, we have our own uh, place that's not far from us. It's it's in a place called Picton, Ontario, which is about a half an hour drive. Um, that's a, a place where we we rent out paranormal teams. It's if you go on Google, it's ranked like in the top ten of most haunted places in Ontario. It's an, it's an old asylum. It's uh, now a paintball place during the day, and uh, the owner of the property actually lives on the property, but it. The property itself is massive and it contains many buildings. Um, but as it was an asylum and then before that it was a military base that was open during World War II. Um, so we have a lot of interaction between, um, different styles of, uh, um, entities in there. You know, we, we, we do have some military people. Um, but we also have like the strongest component, I would say, is the asylum that was opened up after the military base closed. Um, and there were some tragic cases there. There was experimentation. A lot of it was kept hush hush. Um, some people have come forward since its closing, which was in 1999, and have talked about the stories of different experimentation that was done there. And uh, it's it's it was amazing. And uh, some of the stuff has really come out in some of the uh, investigations that we've done. So. So, you know, this is a place that can be uh, rented. Um, also, we do uh, public events there as well. Um, but there are lots of places, uh, you know, around the Belleville area. Um, there was actually a place uh, we went to, um, I think it was two years ago. Um, uh, supposedly, Al Capone had a, uh, a smuggling um, place uh, just north of Belleville here where he would, uh, you know, get all his stuff and bring it, you know, not all of it, but a lot of it went to the States uh, during Prohibition. And uh, there was a lot, and, and this place is an abandoned cabin in the woods that uh, it's still there. Um, and the town that's right nearby actually has a, uh, you, you can buy T-shirts with Al Capone on it. And uh, it's it's quite notorious um, but we had some activity there as well. Um, and then there's various small jails that have closed uh, in the area that we've been to, um, a place in Coburg, Ontario, um, which is uh, which was a provincial prison. Now, that would be the similar as a state prison for, for you guys down there. Um, and it was closed and made into a bed and breakfast, and they've had crazy activity in there. It's a great concept, though. People can actually stay in the cells and... Uh, it's uh, they've done it up really nice. So it's um, almost almost kind of like a fantasy suite type thing, in yeah, a, in a twisted way. Yeah, certainly not my fantasy, but <laughs> but yeah, there's uh, different uh, you know different activity that like we've had so many crazy EVPs in that place. Um, and then there's one in Cornwall, uh, an old jail in Cornwall that you can go to, uh, which is on the Qu- Quebec Ontario border, um, just like it's basically right across the, the river from New York state. And then in Ottawa, our nation's capital, which is about a two hour drive from here. Um, the last public hanging was at a jail there, which is also now um, it hasn't been functioning as a jail for quite some time. And now it's a, a youth hostel and uh, the, you know, the people can go there. Like if they're traveling from Europe, they can go and stay in this hostel for, $20 a night and basically it's a cell and uh, it's uh, again not something I would you know I mean it's cheap 
but uh, they've definitely had a lot of things happen there as well. So there, and there's more places than that, but uh, I mean, it just goes on and on. Sure, absolutely. You know, I I have to mention here, uh, one of the reoccurring themes I seem to be having lately, and not necessarily just on the show, but I was um, talking to a, a friend of mine today that used to live out in like the San Bernardino uh, Chino area in California, and he was talking to me about Al Capone having houses out there. And then, you know, you mentioned tonight that you had Al Capone up that way. Well, we had him in my home city in Dubuque. He, um, he was really involved with a hotel we had there where he used to hide out from the police in Chicago. So it's just, it amazes me how far spread that he, he was. Right. <clears throat> and, you know, that's the thing about the paranormal, right? Is because once you start researching this stuff, I mean, you learn so much history too, right? And, and all of these things tie in and you go, wow, you know, like, you know, I, when I think of Al Capone, I think of Chicago and prohibition and, and, uh, speakeasies and, uh, you know, you don't realize how stretched out this guy actually was. You know, I know that there was rumors about him being in Vegas too. And, uh, um, but, but it's, it's, uh, it's crazy. It really is. And that's, as I say, the great thing about the paranormal is all this stuff you learn on the side when you're doing it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it helps especially because you, you can't really be in the paranormal field without having a real love for history, too. Exactly. So you guys, you have a ton of places up there in Ontario, and you guys have come down to the States as well, I know you were saying. What would you say your favorite place of all time that you've investigated? Well, actually, I... You know, there's been so many and uh, so many different stories, a lot of personal experiences. Um, again, as I say, you can't use the personal experiences as as factual, but it's it's still that, you know, that adds to it. I mean, it's it's so great when things like that happen. Um, you know, when I was in uh, actually Ohio State Reformatory where they filmed the Shawshank Redemption, um, I we were doing the walkthrough during the day and this was completely unexpected because we were just kind of touring the place during the day to get an idea of where things were. And, and I actually had something come up and uh, it, it felt like a hand or something and, and just kind of flick my ear, the earlobe, my earlobe. And uh, you know, this is in the middle of the day and I'm like, I'm looking around, there's nobody there. And, and I was actually, I was doing a, uh, uh, a Facebook, uh, live interview and, uh, you could tell my expression that was, it was, uh, it was a crazy thing. But again, that was, you know, that's not something I can prove, right? Unless you actually see on a camera my, my ear being flicked, which, uh, which it wasn't. Um, but it, it was that, that whole experience I thought was just, uh, just incredible. Um, but it, I mean, as I say, there's been so many different experiences, but my favorite, actually, I, I was at an investigation uh, with a gentleman called Richard Estep, who is uh, quite a famous paranormal investigation uh, investigator in his own right. He's written several books and uh, um, I was on an investigation with him personally, not the other members of my team, but we were over in England in March and we were down in the southwest of England uh, in Cornwall investigating uh the Jamaica Inn, uh, Bodmin Jail, and a guy named Alistair Crowley. Have you ever heard of that gentleman before? 
I don't think you can be involved with paranormal and not know who Aleister Crowley is. <laughs> well, we went to a house of his uh, down in Cornwall, and uh, by far this is the, the strangest experience I've ever encountered. But uh, there was four of us, and we went there, and um, I started. You know, it was it was it was actually it was during the day, um, and this place is. You have to hike about two miles into it. It's not like on the road or anything like that. It's just this shack out in the middle of uh, the Cornish moors, which are like just massive open fields um, with a lot of history there in itself. Like a lot of, uh, um, you know, people from all the way trace back to, you know, the seven or eight hundreds AD. Um, but anyway, we were this, this, this house, which is abandoned now is out in the middle of the moor. And, uh, we walked into the house and everything seemed fine. Like, I mean, it was, it was definitely a creepy place, but there was a set of, uh, there was a ladder that, that went up to an attic. And, uh, I thought, oh, I'm going to have just a little peek to see what's in this attic. And, and all there was at the top of the ladder was whole, like a hole big enough for a head to pop through. Like, I, I don't even think I could have got my, you know, somewhat massive carcass through that hole. Um, but as I, as I was starting to go up the ladder, um, I was instantly nauseous and I, and I started, uh, heaving, like just drastically heaving, like really bad. So I, I, like, I came back down and went outside and, you know, basically, uh, let my guts go. And, uh, I, to this point, like, I have no idea what it was. Um, the other people that were with me, they went up. They didn't have any issues, um, but we walked away from the house. Uh, about an, we were about a half an hour. We we left for a half an hour, came back, um, went to go back up the ladder. Same thing, like just instantly nauseous, just like like I, I just I can't explain it. And that's probably the kind of the biggest kind of. Um, physical reaction I've had during a, um, an investigation, um, where I can't explain it. Um, I certainly, you know, had no preconceived notion that I was going to be harmed when I went there. It was the middle of the day. Um, you know, I, I really had no idea what, what, what caused it. And the other, uh, Richard was one of the people that was with me and, uh, he went up and he was fine. And, uh, but you know, it, it was just—it uh, really took me back, and I—I I mean, it, you're excited about it at the same time, right? Because I mean, you're in—you're in the paranormal, and you want something, stuff like that, to happen. Um, so uh, it was—it was exciting at the time as well. Um, but that would be the most—believe uh, it or not—I know it sounds really crazy out of all the places we've been, but that has probably been the most kind of. Uh, forceful energy that I've ever had put on my, on me, you know? Um, so, uh, yeah, so that would probably be the, the one that takes a cake. Yeah. Well, and Alistair, he, I'm trying to make sure I say this correctly. He had a house that he did a lot of his, um, stuff for his church of Saint and that was up in like the Scottish Highlands area that I, I guess this place before it had the big fire, was super active with all sorts of like demon style hauntings and shadow people and stuff. And if I remember right, I believe it was Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin actually even lived in the house. 
Right. So that's uh, one very interesting fellow. Yeah, he uh, certainly has a definitely a myth, you know, around his name. Um, you know, apparently he supposedly summoned the devil in that house in Scotland. Um, this was like more of a cottage that he had. Um, and actually his, uh, he had a, uh, uh, a granddaughter that lived in, in that, in that uh, cottage in, in, uh, in Cornwall up until like 10 years ago. And then, uh, apparently she fled the place, but there is definitely documented, uh, accounts of that, that belonged to the Crowleys. Like, I mean, there is a, uh, there's a truck in the yard there that looks, like it just was left there. Like it was like the windows are smashed out and, um, but the engine looks like it's probably about 15 years old, but it, it, you know, it's like it was just left there and, and, you know, abandoned and it didn't look like there's anything wrong with it. So it just kind of, I got the impression that whoever was there decided to get out and not come back like right away. So it was uh, interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. It sounds like it. So going on all these places that you guys have been at, what would you say is your favorite piece of equipment that you use? Um, I always like the EVP stuff. Um, always take it, you know, very seriously, uh, EVP things. Um, you know, I want to hear it. Um, I don't want to have to amplify it or anything like that because similar to pictures and pareidolia, uh, you know, once you start amplifying sounds, it, it can, it can disperse and you can hear things that, you know, aren't actually happening or aren't actually there. Um, so I like to hear things, you know, in my recording when I play it back right away. Um, and, and really over the, the nine years or so that I've been doing this, uh, you know, uh, professionally, um, I really, uh, I've, I've really come to the determination that, you know, the equipment is so, um, you know, up in the air. Like, I mean, equipments, you know, can uh, give you an idea that there's something going on. But really, I mean, the paranormal isn't something that's been proven yet. At least it hasn't been proven to me. Or, I mean, we, we have ideas of and experiences and we have things, you know, that are on tape that uh, or video that, you know, a ghost has been seen or, or a shadow figure. Um, but to really get down to it, like a hundred percent that that's paranormal or something that's not logical. Um, I, like, I, I still, I'm still up in the air with that. As I said, I'm a huge skeptic and, uh, um, some of the equipment that's used is, uh, you know, I mean, who, who, who really decides, uh, the equipment that it, it's supposed to measure paranormal activity because I mean, all, all the, all the paranormal activity that's measured is, is subjective, right? Like, I mean, it's not something that's been proven because we don't know what we're trying to measure, right? I mean, we have stuff that measures electromagnetic fields and, um, supposedly, you know, once a spirit is near or some kind of entity is near one of our devices, like a REM pod or, um, you know, something like that, if, if, if it comes near, it sets it off. But, uh, you know, it could be other things as well, you know? Um, so, so equipment to me is it's, it's a guide. Um, and you know, certainly there are places where the equipment works a lot more better than other places, but it's certainly not an end to a means, you know, like it, it's, uh, 
it's just a guide for us. Sure, that's a really good way to look at it. Well, do you, you guys have your Facebook page now? You guys ha- do you have a website as well? Um, we did have a website, um, but we were spending a lot of money on it, and and you know th- there was really no need for it because all of our interaction is on Facebook, um, and you know Facebook's free. So um, we did have a uh, a website at one point, but we decided that. And spending instead of spending, you know, a couple hundred dollars a year for a website, we just thought we'd just, you know, keep it going on Facebook and use Facebook. Um, I mean, we're not we're not out there to try to prove anything to anybody. Um, our most important thing for us is to prove it to ourselves that something happens or that something's going on in a place. I mean, we're not there to, you know, be on TV to be the first people ever to prove paranormal activity. That's that's not our goal. Our goal is uh, as an interest and as a hobby and to learn, to learn more and more about, um, you know, some of the stuff that happens. Uh, uh, a lot of the myths try to prove them either wrong. I mean, it's we're very much about debunking and, uh, you know, trying to get down to the, uh, the practical aspects behind paranormal stuff. So, so yeah, we're not, uh, we're, so when we have a Facebook site, we don't put a lot of evidence on there. I mean, we, from time to time we will, but, uh, certainly nothing private like any of the private investigations we go on. We'll, we'll never put anything like that on there. Um, but again, we're not, we're not out there to prove anything to anybody. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's more our interests and, you know, if we can prove it to ourselves, it's great because, I mean, you know what it's like in the, in the paranormal field and posting things, people always, you know, like it, it gets into a very bitter, you know, hostile environment sometimes on Facebook or any other place where people are saying, you know, that's not true. And you know what? They, they have the right to their opinion. And, but sometimes things can get ugly, you know, and, uh, we have people that send us stuff from time to time and, and, you know, the classic example is pareidolia. And for those listeners out there who don't know what that is, is it's basically seeing something in a picture that's not actually there, but your mind actually pieces it together. So you might see a face in a window and a reflection or, um, it, and it might look like, Oh, that's a ghost, but it's actually just a reflection. Um, and, and when people give us evidence to, you know, say, you know, can, can you give us your professional opinion or can you give us your opinion on this? Um, you know, we, we give them what we believe is, you know, our opinion and then they get really upset. Like sometimes they'll go, no, that's not what it is at all. Like that's paranormal. That's, that's, you know, the ghost of my dad or, you know, the ghost of my uncle or, you know, uh, you know, the guy that used to live in the house. And, and it's like, uh, you know, you asked for our opinion and we gave it to you and now you're, you're upset at what we're trying to tell you. And, and this is just our opinion and you asked for it. Yeah. And that's kind of the problem that you face with social media today is it's there to help people communicate, but at the same time, it gives them too much uh, freedom to be able to communicate and it usually turns into an argument. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. Like, as I say, we keep our minds open. We're very professional. We will, we'll always listen to what a person has to hear and we give the, we give our opinion. Um, and, uh, some people aren't satisfied with that. And you know what? That's fine. That, that is fine. If, if that's not what you think, then that's fine. But there's no, there's no reason to berate us or anything like that because 
we don't see it the same way you do, you know? Um, and, uh, but everybody, you know, the paranormal is such a wide spectrum of people. Um, and it's all about respecting other people's point of view, um, the, what they, you know, believe in, um, you know, it, you might not agree with it, but you know, that's, that's your belief and, uh, you know, just go with it. But, uh, but everybody, like it's, it's really got to come and it's, it's getting worse. Um, but it, we really have to start respecting each other and, uh, um, you know, going from there. Yeah. Well, that's, that's great advice for everybody to listen to. I appreciate that, Wes. And actually that's going to bring us to the end of the show. Uh, went by very fast. Um, I appreciate you taking the time tonight, Wes. No problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah. It's been great. I, hopefully we can get together and, talk some more paranormal here in the future absolutely sounds great all right well you have yourself a good night okay good night yep bye thanks again to wes coleman from correctional officers paranormal society for being our guest today and thanks to all of you for tuning in please take a minute to give us a review on itunes or whatever directory you listen to us on it means a lot to us and we want to hear your feedback to help make our show just a little bit better my name is brandon And you've been listening to the best place to bring our paranormal teams a little closer together. The Parunity Podcast.